Welcome, everyone, to the OG Pod. Today, I have my friend from comedy, Alden Schaub. Hello, Internet. What's up, Internet? <laughs> Alden is a comedian here in Austin, Texas, sure. who I've known for over a year now. Yeah. And you run some of the best mics out here. Lucky Duck on Wednesday nights oh, nice. from, what is that, like 6 p.m. to 2 a.m.? Uh, yeah, well, now that we're doing the tag mic before, it does go from like 6.30 to 2 you got lucky duck mike you've got uh your trivia business and a couple other mics uh tell us about your story and what you're doing here in austin um i don't know entertainment i guess yeah well yeah i mean i don't know it's pretty it's pretty crazy to be down here right now comedy wise but there's so many people moving here yeah i mean and it's been a flow for years since you know rogan started that whole trend i feel Oh, yeah. I think it's great. I mean, just to be able to see the variety of people that are doing it, too. But Well, when I, when I moved down here, I didn't really know I'd be doing comedy. I wasn't even doing comedy at the time. I just, um, my brother wanted to move down here because he wanted to meet some women. There you go. And uh, we're, we're from a small town in Traverse, uh, Michigan. And so there just wasn't a lot of dating, you know. Yeah. So he's like, well, we should move to Austin. There's a dating site and the number of people in the site is more than our entire town. <laughs> so let's i'm like well okay and i was single at the time too so like okay i guess that makes sense so we just drove down here and, and that's that's about it how'd it work out <laughs> so far it's been pretty good i mean there well, are some pretty girls in austin that's for yeah, sure yeah yeah I've, I've got a girlfriend now for like three years so that's pretty nice. good and uh oh, yeah. uh well my brother he ended up moving back but but i ended up staying so to traverse mm-hmm. nice. i'm from uh, grand rapids so oh yeah that, that's so yeah i went to school at grand valley so nice okay yeah. i know right where that is yeah um yeah michigan's a unique a, a unique state because mm. it's like up north it's almost canada yeah it's in the midwest you have the accent you're a little bit close to new york but still nobody's from michigan it's a rare find well people ask me a lot if i'm canadian and i just go yeah just whatever <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter you know if you're at the up that's canada yeah that's something totally different the upper peninsula well and like i don't know I just got tired of working all those seasonal jobs too. I seemed like I was falling into that a lot. Yeah. So you came out here to do to meet some girls and to do and what got you into entertainment? Well, I was doing trivia back in Michigan, but I worked okay. for a different company. Uh, I was just called Team Trivia of Michigan. So I was doing like four shows a night for like another company. So you were already in entertainment. Yeah, in a way. I mean, hosting and yeah, because I hosted the games every so again. I had them like four nights a week. So like. I got pretty good at hosting trivia. And then uh, when I moved down here, well, my first job I had was working at a pawn shop. And I did that because I thought that would be interesting. And uh, it was it was interesting. How many human heads? <laughs> like, yeah. what is the craziest shit that people turned in? It was really depressing, honestly. Well, yeah, okay, really? so mostly guns, uh, jewelry. Really, guns? Yeah, well, guns are... I would imagine jewelry. Yeah, jewelry, guns are nice because they really hold their value. Like, um, so shrunken heads. No. Yeah. Like shrunken heads would be really hard to resell is the only thing. So like, yeah, they have like a value, but it's also like, who's the buyer, you know, but like guns are like, you know, it's going to hold the value. A lot of people want them. So like you have no trouble reselling them. And if you have them on the shelf for a period of time, they don't lose their value. Where like, if you were to buy an iPhone or something, right. There's like a short shelf life. A lot of people don't want to use a used phone. Right. So it's really hard to resell. So like, you'll never see that in a pawn shop. Hmm. So like, yeah. Um, swords you know you would think swords are kind of unusual but again they hold their value especially coins you know really anything made out of gold or silver they'll buy it you know weapons 
Yeah, yeah, like jewelry, throwing stars, you know, knives, anything like that. Uh, but probably not like grenades or something. They'd probably be too dangerous. But and yeah. so, what was your first time doing stand up? Uh, well, was here. Well, so one time in college, I did one at the Bob actually in Grand Rapids. Oh yeah, the Bob. Yeah, just as a, I did an open mic on kind of a lark, and I just kind of forgot all about it. Isn't that a club? They have mics there. Yeah, and uh, got two levels. I, I don't know if it's the third floor. One of them, they actually had like just an open mic once in a while. Cool. But I think it was regular. It's like more like a regular comedy club. Oh. Or at least it was at the time. I don't know. I don't know what it is now. But um, so my first one here in Austin was at uh, Cherrywood, uh, which is not that far from here actually. But mm-hmm. yeah, I got I signed up for three minutes. You know. So what got you into doing the mic at the Lucky Duck? Because that's like a staple of Austin. I feel. Oh yeah. Well, there was a guy named Marty who used to run it when he moved here, and then um, he ended up leaving town, so then he had some different shows going, and he's like, well, you've been running this one more or less. It's yours now. There you go. And then there was another show. Ian John was running at uh, Baker Street, and then like, okay, well, that's yours now. And then, so now I've just been running it, because they, they used to bring three hosts in a night. Yeah. They, they'd have, sure. a, you know, like eight to ten guy. They'd have like a midnight to whatever guy, but I was like, well... I just want to sit here and practice writing jokes for like between the guys' sets. So I'll just do the whole, I'll just do all the six hours and just see. And That's a long time to do, Mike. Yeah. Well, it's kind of stupid in some ways. <laughs> well, I mean, like, there's a lot it's of things. It's cool. It's a service. Yeah. Well, I do view it as sort of a utility. I mean, yeah. You know, everybody can benefit from it. I mean, absolutely. It's strange to think it's some people's first mic, which is nice, you know. Is it, I mean, it's a total, it's an open mic, right? Like it's yeah. usually comics there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get crowds much or? Oh yeah. I think yeah. it's about half and half. Well, there's a lot oh, of foot traffic on six, you know? Yep. So yeah, I get regular people in there quite a lot. Yeah. What are the other places you like out here to perform or hang out? How well, I really like the Anderson Mill Pub. That one's good on Tuesdays, you know? And then um, I really like the banana phone mic that's at the Creek on Sundays. Yeah. Well, oh, and that one too, I can sit there and. I'll be in the crowd and I'm watching the person and I'm writing down little details about them. And then I'll write out my heckles, you know, and I'll wait for a time where there's a little bit of silence and I'll try to, you know, hit them with it. That one is really fun. I think you have like a lot, uh, you're a very prolific comedian actually, because you have your, like you're doing stuff on social media. You're Mm. doing these open mics. You're actually doing comedy. You're participating a lot in the community. Well, and I bartend at the East Austin Comedy Club on the weekends, so there's that. And then I get a little bit of time, and I and so, yeah, I I do think about like um, because you do daily jokes, right? Like, yeah, I feel like I've seen you be very consistent on coming up with like I don't know four to ten, you know. Well, yeah. So there's this thing called the Hot Breath Writers Room, and every day they put a word out, and you're supposed to just sit there for ten minutes. And try to write jokes based on that word. That's awesome. Yeah, and so I try to do that as I don't. I mean, I haven't done it every every day, but I really try to do that every day. So what like, was today? Oh, uh, today's work was uh, satisfied. Satisfied. So I had to write some jokes about satisfied. So one of them I wrote was uh, Snickers satisfies, but I'm the only or Snickers satisfies your hunger, but I'm the only one who can satisfy your mom's hunger. Yeah, that's pretty good. And that's like just a silly one. But like, yeah, as, you know, so I, as you're right. On you the just, fly, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, so like I try to, so there were, I'll post the ones that I consider jokes, <clears throat> but there's some that I write and they're not even jokes. I'll just like cross them off. You know? oh, okay. But just doing that every day, I think is important. I mean, builds the, builds that practice up. I haven't done comedy in so long. I'm not a real comedian. I do stuff on YouTube, but I do. I don't YouTube. I do <laughs> enjoy uh, the scene and 
Um, I don't know. You know, it's one of these things where it seems like there's so many people doing it and it's hard to understand what kind of outcomes are really possible mm. in mm. terms of like time investment. Because the last thing you would want to do is like go attack something for 10 years. Sure. And then like, you know, you're in the exact same place you were 10 years ago. Mm. And there's, uh, it's one of those things where you're working in an industry where you, you have to rely on other people lifting you up. You know, like you can't, there's no job of being that you can apply to or whatever. You're a hundred percent reliant on somebody kind of plucking you out. I don't, you don't, I don't think know, so? I don't think that's well, you can really start your own mics. Today. Yeah. Well, I don't know. My feeling is like, you're not, nobody's going to open up the opportunities for you in this. You have to do it for yourself. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, well, too, like people get into comedy for thousands of reasons. Like they just, fall into it they think it'd be fun they do it on a kind of a lark and then they get going on it and then they're like well okay and then as they're in it for a period of time they're like where's this thing going mm -hmm. i think and that's when people start to get i've seen people be very frustrated or very bitter at a certain point um, again i'm a new comic though so maybe that'll happen to me but like i don't know before i even started doing any kind of comedy i actually read uh, biographies of a bunch of comedians mm -hmm. and uh, to kind of like well like what am i getting into right what is this like what does success look like as a comic and what does it cost to be a yeah. success and like um and the same story is though they all have the same story they were a 10-year overnight success yeah right. you know and they were working in obscurity for that entire time and in, in, in poverty basically yeah and then i mean there are some exceptions but mostly and then then they were discovered or some event happened and they you know were catapulted into whatever but so, that's how it goes. Like, there's no rising through the ranks automatically. You have to be selected by the upper echelon. There's no, because there's no organization, you know, it's just yeah. other comics hiring you. But uh, but it's, the, the things have changed, I think, because, I like, they, I, in my opinion, like, well, if you look at Andrew Schultz, he always talks about you're putting out your material to your fan base, you're getting your fan base, and then you turn around and ask to be put on things. Well, but you can't get a fan base without exposure. You know, yeah. it's like a, I'm facing two chicken and the egg problems. So now all of YouTube has to hear me gripe about it. Okay. You guys. Uh, and the two chicken and the egg problems are comedy and YouTube, mm -hmm. where when I look at my stats, I mean, my retention, it's about on average. It's at least on average, if not above average for YouTube. True. But my videos never get recommended because I have no audience. And it's like one of those things where like the only way to get recommended is to have an audience. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it's like a total chicken and the egg problem. Like the only way to. Um, anyway, it, 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 in the end, it's there's nothing to really complain about because, you know, the joy is in the work itself and that's its own reward. Um well, but uh, how are you delivering you do value? outcomes? Yeah, yeah right. You, well, how are you delivering value to the YouTube? I guess. I mean, I would assume it would be entertainment value is what I'm trying to provide. Sure. Um, similar to other, so you like, know, people I'm modeling. Putting together the video is kind of the minimum, you know. Right. And there's got to be a certain level of entertainment value there. Right. I mean, there doesn't have to be. You know, you can put anything on YouTube. Well, it could be educational. Yeah. It could be enter. But like, if you want to have a good retention rate, you. They have to want to stay on the video. Right. So, like, for instance, the reason the Lucky Duck exists is because I sell drinks. So, like, without that, there wouldn't be a there wouldn't be an open mic. Like, 
Okay. They right. would put in. So that, that's the value I'm delivering to the bar. The value I'm delivering to the comedians is the stage time. That's why they're right. there. You know. So without that, like you can set up a mic, and if nobody shows up, they're gonna get rid of it. Right. So it's same with YouTube. Like you have to think, well, where's the value to the viewer? Like obviously, we like doing podcasts. It's fun. You know, like I was like, oh, I'm gonna be on a podcast today. That's great. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna talk about the Austin comedy scene and all that, which is like that's valuable to a certain number of people. Right. But then it's like, what would be something that everybody on the internet would be like, oh, this is really worth. Crypto. Let's talk about Trump. Yeah. Let's talk about FTX. Well, and people like that. That's like the thing that hooks them into listening to it. But I also think people get tired of it after a while. Like, like I used to listen to this podcast called the, um, uh, it was the Mad Scientist, and all he would talk about was trying to attain financial freedom, hmm. and uh, like they call it fire in the community. So like, you know, financial independence, retire early. That's like a big thing. Hmm. So then he would interview like people that had attained fire, as they call it. And there were like 50 or 60. So I got a lot of value out of that. I was listening to it and I thought, well, that could be me. The, the, all these stories are different and it's interesting. So like I got, I feel like I got some value out of that. I think the value I'm trying to provide, and I think I do provide by the numbers, like if my retention is on average with everyone else, then I'm providing the average amount of value is uh, entertainment value sure. is the majority of it. That makes sense. Well, like for me putting out, so I write those jokes every day. I used to put them in my story on Instagram, but I realized only my followers, only my current followers are seeing right. that. You could see that based on the statistics. You know? So then I started turning them into reels because really I'm trying to advertise outside of, exactly. you know, that I'm a, I'm a comedy writer or whatever. Right. You know, so that was like. Did you get some traction on those or? Sort of like You're on Instagram. you hit and miss, right? Yeah. Like I, so I, on Instagram, I was getting like not a lot of views, but I noticed on TikTok, like. I'll have maybe only a couple hundred for certain ones. And then all of a sudden I'll get like 5,000 or something. Nice. So like they are starting to get a little bit of traction. Nice. So, but I don't know. I mean, I think the whole content game is just consistency because yeah. there are more people getting connected to the internet every day. There's a huge tailwind of people in India and in the third world, and they've got to learn English and watch content <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And so it's great to be an English speaking content creator, like specifically. That sure helps, I think. It, it's an advantage. It is an advantage, unfairly. but Well, and the only reason I'm making like sketches or something is because I think it's funny. And also, but I want to, it's an advertisement to get people to come to a live show. And that's where I could actually make money. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, you got to be providing value. Yeah. And so like, that's a good way to break it down with the Lucky Duck. You mm. have the value to the establishment and selling drinks. You have the value for the comics and stage time. And so it's like the invisible hand of capitalism can work and everyone benefits from that. And the same thing I think is, can happen on YouTube where you're building an audience, they're getting value from your entertainment you're getting value from the ad revenue and it works but these are such chicken and the egg problems which is why nobody really does that even attempts them mm. because it is such a 10-year overnight grind or whatever you were saying like even if it looks like an overnight success it wasn't it was a 10-year grind yeah i mean i've been doing trivia in pretty much obscurity for that period and i still enjoy it i just do it because yeah. i like it you know and that's the main thing as yeah. long as you're doing things that you're genuinely enjoying but also i never had an idea that i would become a famous trivia host like that's not sure. a, even a thing i think people feel that way about comedy they're like well everybody's got a different goal i guess like a lot of people they're like well i'd like to be famous and i'm up here or something I don't know. When I started doing it, my goal was I'd like to be an entertainer for a living. 
and so I'm getting pretty close now as far as getting enough money. So that feels good. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, there's that that puts you in the top one percent of people on the planet, mm. right? Like nobody is making money doing what they love. Sure. And um, I feel really lucky because I've made money in tech doing what I love, mm. and and so I got lucky once. And if I could ever do that in entertainment, that would be the luckiest thing of all time. Well, you can. I think I think a lot of people could. Again, it's like where are you delivering value to the comedy? Like. As a comedian, I always think when I'm doing my material, like, do people want to consume this even? Right. You know, like sometimes I'll watch a comic and I'll be like, oh, well, it's pretty funny, but like people feel like they need a shower after this. Like, <laughs> and sometimes that's exactly what people want. And sometimes they're like, it's not really a product in a sense. Yeah. 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 It's a product that you're building. Yeah. Your comedy is a product and it's hard to build like this podcast i'm hoping that anyone listening is just enjoying this conversation and maybe yeah. getting some insights into the austin comedy community and what i'm trying to do is provide new and upcoming comics here in austin just like me or entertainers or anyone like really but like um some value in just being able to express their ideas and talk about what they're into and then boom here i'll do some work to put it online and make it packaged and presented or whatever um but like that value has to be 50 to 100 times higher than your competitors really to break through so it's such uh it's such a i again do you call it a challenge because the whole thing is play yeah. it's a challenging game well, and two is you do a bunch of them, you'll start to realize where people are enjoying it and you know, all that. Like, yeah. like I, I like doing sketches. I mean, I, I, I used to watch Mad TV all the time. So, like, I, I always think I'm trying to make Mad TV in a sense. But those sketches aren't, I don't think people would pay to watch them. Yeah. But so then I viewed it as just an advertisement for myself. And that's what, that, that's that, the end of it. That's true, too. Yeah. yeah. But people do pay to watch them with their time. Yeah, that's true. In that sense. And one of the crazy thing is how fast you can accrue watch time. Like this podcast will get five hours easy and that's nothing, you know, like I'm sure you get like a top tier podcast and they're getting, I don't know, 10,000 hours of watch time or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's some strange things going on. Like I've been creating these original fart noises and like when I first started yeah, doing the that. The fart engineering. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like I, I sort of thought of it as just like, oh, this is just a silly thing I'm doing, but it is. But I'm, I like I applied some of the structures of jokes to those noises, so it is something that's like unique. And so I'm gonna try to continue to push that to see what else I can do with it. I guess. I liked what Jimmy Clifford had to say on repeating anything creative. How it's like when you turn on a a faucet that's never been used or hasn't been used for a long time. Mm -hmm. You have kind of like this muddy water coming yeah. out, and if you just let it keep running, eventually the water becomes clean. And I think that's a, very similar to anything creative where, you know, the, there's no way to have something creative come out beautiful the first time because it's just built on layers and layers and layers. You know, it's like a painting. Yeah. And you just build it slowly over time. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of any creative pursuit is. So hopefully your farts are like paintings is all I'm trying to say. I hope so. But well, and I had an insight <laughs> though, like anybody could make, like anybody can play off some farts and it's like kind of funny, but it's not the same thing as what I'm doing because I'm using a, a structure of joke to make these noises, you know, is there a structure to it? Like how do you structure a fart? This yeah. Is very important. 
Well, so like, okay, so like if you have the basic joke, you got your premise and you have like your punchline, okay? So the way these farts are set up is like the noise in the beginning is a noise you're familiar with. So it's almost like a, like an idiom. It's an auto, like you've heard the noise before. So like a good example would be like a Star Wars, like a lightsaber opening. I see. So you've heard that before. And when you hear it, you have a sense of recognition. Right. So you got to have that in the beginning. And then the last, and then it cuts into a fart. But then the fart sounds similar to the first noise. And so then there's You're like morphing a, from a lightsaber into a fart. Yeah. Can you show us any of this? Or like, can you play us any of this? Yeah, I got them on my phone here. You oh, know, yeah. I got them. Uh, let me show you one as an example here. Um, there is very few people that have put this much uh, thought into the structure of a fart. And yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. I appreciate it. I think they're pretty funny, you know. I'll uh, have to send you the, this after. Let me see where... Let me get the lightsaber one. This is a good example because, like, you know... There's somewhere in your brain where you've heard this before a bunch of times. And then... Uh, so, I'll, I'll play it here. I don't know if it'll pick it up, but... <laughs> okay, now I got you. Now you I got you. See what I mean? So, like, it's got... If it's just any fart, it wouldn't make sense. Right. But it's like you're hearing the first part, and then once it cuts into that other noise, that's where the subversion of expectations is. I feel like you need something at the end, though, like a splat or a pop. Sort of. Maybe like a like a, like a a platter or whatever, you, a splatter. Like this is a good one. You know, you're a fan of Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. This I thought this one was about the funniest here. Like <laughs> nobody's expecting that, you know. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with these? I mean, you use them at Lucky Duck. Yeah, so at Lucky Duck, I'll use them. I use them during the trivia shows. Uh, a lot of times, a sketch. If somebody swears, I'll put a fart over it that's instead of a bleep. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But there, I mean, that's like where I'm at with it now. But like, so then I'm like, well, that's not finished. There's more to do with it, but I don't know what it is yet because my understanding of comedy is only at a certain level. So like, as I progress, I'm hoping those noises will progress and there'll be more to it and, and there may not be but elegant I don't know. farts like sure yeah yeah let's get some rich well and a fart is can be a very good surprise you know a lot of it's based on surprise but but i but i wouldn't have come up with this idea without looking at the structure of jokes like so that they did kind of like collide there is a lot of technical aspects into joke telling that you don't really think about like when you're like i'm gonna go do stand up and basically what you're saying is like i'm gonna go try to recite some stuff i wrote down on stage Sure. Good luck. But if you're not using the language of stand-up, you're exactly. you're in trouble. And there there are some basic things that really make a big difference. You know? Context is a big one that that I've still kind of struggle with. But uh, even just in terms of creating anything for somebody for an audience, you need to try to guess how much context they have, how much you need to provide. Well, and that's like when I write trivia question. A good question is something I can say, and everybody understands immediately what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, that's the same with a joke premise. You say the premise and you look out into the faces. Do they understand what you're talking about? Right. Are they on the same page with you? Like maybe they're not. So then if you see a look of confusion or a look of, well, you know, then you got to redo your premise or, or repeat yeah. it. Or so like there's a problem there. Or add, yeah, just add something to it. But if you're too nervous and you're not paying attention to the audience, then you're not going to catch that and you're just going to be presenting at them. Yeah. Which is easy to fall into that. Well, that's why the news is real popular because it's easy to understand. Everybody's thinking about it already, so you can talk about it. Right. Where like uh, an idiom is really easy because it's a piece of information they already have. So 
what's an idiom? It's like a story that we all know. Uh, well, like you could say. Like well, I, I have this one joke that I do, and it's uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Yeah. So, like that would be like an idiomatic expression. Right. So, I mean, most most English speakers have heard that before, right? So you that, don't have, you don't have to explain that expression, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or if you say um, one in the hands worth two in the bush, you've right. heard that before. That would be like an idiom, right? So you can you, you'll hear Fuck those that bush i want two birds right now yeah and so like people will make a joke about that using the idiom because the idiom's like the common thing and then that's the jumping off to your idea yeah hmm. yeah oh right and that brings context because everyone knows right the idiom yeah so like if you're doing a joke to a crowd you should try to get all everybody to understand the thing as soon as they can and yeah. so that's like why you cut out a lot of the language too because everybody's brains move at different speeds and some people are drunk and some people are high or whatever. Right. And so distracted. You, yeah. So you want them to all understand the thing at the same time. Yep. So then you can get, and that's, that's challenging for a whole group of people. I mean, but that's what makes the room energy awesome is when you can just feel that everyone is in the same place and we're all following the conductor. And then yeah. that guy takes us somewhere fun and awesome and hilarious. Or sometimes he drives it right off the cliff. You know? Oh, right. Or it's too bad, or they didn't understand part of it, or who knows, or like two people yeah. laugh and no one else is laughing, and then they're like, "Why is that funny?" I've I've told this story <laughs> on this podcast, so I doubt I have any listeners who will catch it again. But um, I remember going to the creek. This was a couple of months ago, and this mm. guy was just telling this horrible story about trapping somebody in their basement and eating them alive. Mm. And the whole time, I'm just sitting there waiting for it to change. And he's like going into the most gruesome detail about how she's crying and he's loving it. And he starts by eating her feet and then he like eats her arms and all that. I mean, it is kind of funny, but it's also gruesome yeah. and horrifying. And the whole time I'm just waiting for the punchline and he just walked off the stage. And I was like, that is epic. You're just going to leave us all with that. Sure. You're just going to leave that image and not, you know, spring it back, not make it into a punchline or a joke or anything. Mm. and yeah and he just left us there in that feeling and i was just like well that's one way to do it <laughs> sure well you saw something there it stood yeah. out in your mind yeah yeah well, yeah right the, actually good point some of the jokes i do that i don't think are that good people will say oh well that's the one i think is the best you know, right and be like why was that or just some throwaway thing but it has to connect with people yeah and so much of it is about connection and feedback mm. And I think comics and YouTubers actually be, get basically a superpower compared to regular people. And it's because people are always telling them what they're doing wrong constantly. Hmm. Nobody gets that level of feedback. No. Everyone knows what you're doing wrong, but they're not going to tell it to you. Sure. <laughs> you're just, you know, like they're just going to think it. But on YouTube, you get a comment that's like, you're not doing this. And if you did that different and you're like, well, that's amazing because now I can actually do it different. Like I posted a workout video where I was like benching and somebody was like, you're literally going to rip your shoulder off if you keep your elbows that way. And I was like, okay, let's Google it and see what this guy's talking about. Turns out to be totally accurate. I go back, repeat the movement with my elbow tucked in, feels way stronger, way better. Hmm. And had I never created that video, had I never posted it off and had that guy never been an asshole, I would have just kept doing it wrong until I ripped my shoulder off. Sure. And so that's, I think, a superpower that comedians and content creators get is they're constantly getting feedback. Like, here's the feedback when you're on a stage. Nobody's paying attention. So whatever you're bringing, they're not interested, <laughs> you know, like that's valuable feedback. Mm -hmm. That means that whatever road you took to get on that stage and how you presented it, 
how you dressed or your opening line or whatever. If people take out their phones, that's it. That wasn't the right one. And so you, you try another one. But through all of those repeated feedbacks, that is how you kind of like perfect yourself, basically. Because how do you make a Dave Chappelle? Did you see his SNL monologue? Oh, no, I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's so smooth. It's, I want to say retardedly smooth, but I won't because that's like a bad word now. And so it's like absurd how well it flows, how funny it is, and how cool and calm he is delivering it. And I'm just like, well, that's impossible. Like maybe in 20 years, if you do it every day forever, you can get like to some kind of close level like that. But well, it takes a long time. I mean, like I, I keep a spreadsheet of all the shows and I've done. And so like for comedy, I'm coming up on like 900, 900. That's awesome. And that's mostly open mics and mostly hosting. But then there's sprinkled in there a few showcases. So like, I feel like I'm not even getting started. Like, yeah, you know, the first couple 30 mics or something, I thought I was just like the best. And then as I've watched more people, I'm like, oh, I got a lot more to learn. There are pros. Yeah. There are pros. It's not it. And, and so what makes somebody like Dave Chappelle a pro? Because he's like presenting that and it's coming across on TV. Mm-hmm. It's even easier if you're in a live setting to like have that energy be translated. It's not even energy. It's just coolness. He's just fucking cool well and i noticed something so last uh this was this wednesday i did a special show at the lucky duck where um, i just had all the guest hosts come in and do 10 minutes in front of a camera so we and uh i had kind of a small crowd because it was cold you know mm-hmm. but i noticed some of the comedians were sort of distracted by the cameras they were more reserved mm-hmm. it did change the way they um presented and then I also know I made a big mistake and I didn't realize this at the time, but so if you look where the stage is like this and you know how it's like down at the Lucky Duck, Mm -hmm. one of the camera guys was sitting on the, on this uh, bench right in front of everybody. And then the other guy was on the side. And I think people were a little bit like more reserved of course, because they felt like they were interrupting something like, whereas if it was not being recorded, it was more interactive. So yes. like, I feel like I blunted the reaction of the crowd. I mean, there was weather and all that, and it was a small crowd, but like people were watching this and they were like, oh, I don't want to disturb this. But so. And Have you heard of that phenomena of people when they get on a recording, they change? Sure. I think that's true. And so it's hard not to get self-conscious. I remember I had this the other day. I haven't experienced this in years because I've been out there, man. Sure. So when I, I used to work at Snap and I used to run this big scary meeting it was a thursday meeting where like all the big execs would show up and sometimes the ceo would be there it was pretty nerve-wracking because it was like at least 100 people every single time and i was the guy on point and what's funny is like that was part of what made me think i could do stand up because it was like hey i run this big meeting in front of all these important people i can handle being on the stage doesn't translate at all (laughs) doesn't translate yeah, well, there's certain aspects of it. I mean, if you're able to run a meeting there, that you're you have a certain level of extroversion, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. well, so I guess the point of it. Um, why was I even telling you that I had a meeting? I used to run that. Oh yeah, and so I used to get so nervous on this Thursday meeting, and like my whole week was revolve around it. Mm. Like I would start preparing for it on Friday, <laughs> literally, and and I would get like this crazy feeling. Then the other day, I was about to go live on a podcast, and out of nowhere, that same old panic hit me, Mm. where it kind of felt like, 
my heart was racing and I just had like this self-consciousness that was like so pronounced and I have not experienced that in so many years. I'm still not sure quite why. I mean, I was able to recover. It was fine, but it was still just a surprising feeling because I do feel like I'm such a practiced hand being recorded, being on camera, going on running meetings, going on uh, stages, and I've grown to be more comfortable just, you know, in the moment or whatever. But in that moment, it was the opposite. <laughs> I was freaking the f- out. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That was the dolphin. That's a fucking yeah, dolphin. dolphin. Can we hear that one more time? That was pretty. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's a mating call right there. Yeah, I got my astromus in there. But... <laughs> well, I tell you, when I get um, a little nervous or something, I just remind myself that life is meaningless, you know? Yeah. And so then that helps you know yeah we're all gonna die <laughs> yeah tomorrow so just go do whatever you want well and we're so concerned with ourselves obviously i think even comedians is worse but honestly most people don't care they i mean care. they're they're sort of like paying attention but you know if you're confident that's what matters i think on that stuff and they don't know well especially in comedy like i've noticed uh, i feel like a bad habit is if you make a mistake on a joke or if you misspeak a lot of people will say Oh, I screwed that up. And they'll verbalize it. And they'll know. Well, they don't know if you made a mistake Right. I was going to say, you got to like, you you should only verbalize it if that's turning it into a joke. Right. If you're going to trick them, you know. But like, if I make a mistake or I miss a punchline or something, generally, I just won't even address it. And so, I don't know. I just feel like that's a bad habit. Well, the same with uh, running a meeting or something. They don't know what you're there to talk about. Right. I mean, if you just seem like you're rambling a little bit, maybe they'll. But but honestly, they, they don't. Everyone, everyone feels like everyone else is so focused on them. Everyone's just focused on themselves. Yeah. Unless you're up there on the stage and they're staring at you and they're like, then the pressure's on. (laughs) Yeah. But if, I mean, like tonight I'm going to go up at the East Austin comedy club and I pretty much have an idea what I'm going to do. And if something happens or if one of the curtains falls down or something, I'll just be like, well, whatever. I mean, that's, that's. Yeah. Just incorporate it. Yeah, or, or there's always something to joke about if somebody, like, that's another thing I've noticed. You know, it's live, so you'll see a comic and somebody will say something and it'll, they view it as sort of an interruption. Um, well, I, I don't. I view it as like, well, they're here. This is a live show. They're yeah. part of the show now. Right. So just that, to me, makes it easier because, like, if they, de- I don't even view it as being derailed or something. Yeah. That's just statistically going to happen so many times you go up. I mean, well, it's almost like you can look at it in one way, which is like you can get angry about it and you can be like they're disrespectful or they're not paying attention. Or you can look at it as something to play with. And True. this is just like, you know, or you can ignore it or whatever. But well, nobody owes you their attention, even if they yeah. bought tickets or whatever. Like you have to earn that. Like totally. But I, I feel like people that are good hosts are better able to like handle those situations. Yeah. Then. But I, maybe I'm biased on that. Well, sometimes I just know, like, you get mad. It's mm. easy to get angry at the audience and start, like, getting not offensive, but, like, aggressive. Sure. You're like, you're prickly or you're getting after them. Even sure. just your body language. Yeah. You're like. Mm-hmm. Or you'll, like, get close <laughs> to them on the stage. You'll walk over to them or, you know, like. Sure. There's, it's a weird adversarial. Uh, there's kind of, like, a conflict between the performer and the audience in a weird way. Mm. And I don't think that's two ways. I don't think the audience feels in conflict with the performer, but I think the performer does feel somewhat attacked by the audience or outnumbered maybe. Because obviously to me, that's a philosophical choice to view them as the adversary, you know, 
you can view him as the anybody as who's friends in, as well anybody who's in the sphere of my microphone is a part of the show and yep. whatever happens is part of the show yes and so i don't view anything that happens as an intrusion right philosophically that's different than viewing them as the like it's a conflict you know? so so um what are you thinking as you're walking onto a stage? Like, are you trying to just be in the moment? Or do you have your material primed? What's I, kind of going through your head? I pretty much have my material ready. So, like, tonight, I'll probably open the show. So, I have certain things I got to talk about, like where the bathroom is and not to record the show and just and this mm -hmm. and that. Then I'll do some kind of open. Are you guys ready to get going? But, like, as the host of the show, the job is to, like, bring the energy. Like, in. thank you for coming. Yeah. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and then I'll do a short set. But I, I've already, like, so I've written down all my, my like, bits that I want to do. And then I'll just leave the paper. And I don't usually use notes. So I'll, then I'll just go. And uh, But I've, I've done the, I'm, I'm not, like, tonight I won't do any new stuff. It'll all be stuff that I've done before. You know. And then if somebody gets me off topic or something, I'll just go for it. Like, there was a couple... One week, they, and I found out they had been to the, they were from Kentucky or something. So then I remember I had a family trip. We went to Kentucky. So, like, I actually talked about that for the first, like, half of my time. Just at my, you know, whatever. So, like, that was very in the room, you know. You know I think that's important because the people want it to seem like, you know, it's a one-off. It's a one-off. This is the only show that's ever going to take place. And this is, like, really exciting. We should, yeah. you know. Right. They, you do want to kind of bring that vibe. I mean, it is, right? It's never going to happen again in that exact circumstance, in that exact set and setting with those people and that energy. Yeah. And like one of the things I'll say if I'm opening the show there, I'll go, hey, no recording of the show. This is just for you guys. This is just yeah. for you. This is a one, you know, and these are secret jokes, you know, and, yeah. you know, we want to make sure the comics are very free to express themselves in that. So then they think, oh, hey, this is like, okay, you know, that was worth me coming down here. This is only going to happen once. And, do you think comics are restricting themselves? Some. Some do and some don't. I mean, I think to myself, well, I don't know who these people are, and I want to sure. have my material be something that they want to consume. Right. I think other people, they have the idea, um, I'm an artist, and this is my art, and if you don't like it, never come back. And yeah. that's a that's a completely good attitude, too. Is it? I think it's bad. I kind of have that attitude, but I think it, I think your attitude is better. Well, it just depends. Like, again, I host a lot. So my thought is always I want people to stay. Where the comic is like, I've come to say X. Yeah. And this is it. And if you don't like it, interesting, then too bad. Like, right. But One's trying those. to do a good show and connect and have the audience have a good time. Yeah. Which is, but that's why it's a better, you know, mindset or. But then, too, I feel like there's certain topics I won't touch on as the person who's trying to be generally like entertaining so like in a way it's like more watered down in a way i guess but yeah. the person who's really a purist is gonna just this is what i'm doing and then they'll but they'll gather fans that really like that yeah but there is like a major selfishness in that which is that you're not on the stage for them you're on the stage for you right you're there for yourself as the as that comic but ideally you should be on the stage for everyone and it's everyone enjoying it as like a fun thing you know well, but later on you're gonna just have your fans but i don't know when you're yeah. starting out you just whoever's there and the half of them don't like you well that's fine those other people won't follow you you know i guess that's true yeah i guess there's no wrong way to do it in yeah. that way 
because I'm always thinking of it as a show. So mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about I want these people to stay for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But as the individual comedian, you don't care about that. You're mm-hmm. like, I want to get the fans. The people who like me are going to like me, and that group will slowly grow. And everybody else, they're not going to watch me anyways. So why do I want to cater to them? If they're here, I don't care. And they'll say, oh, you don't like it? Fine. These these guys are really like okay, it. Okay, here's why selfish. Because yeah. comedy rooms, like when you have a show, True. that show has an energy. Yeah. And if you're the one bringing down the energy, tanking the room, being selfish, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's not only not fair to the other comics and the audience or the showrunner or, I mean, whoever, the, the host, I mean. Yeah. Um, well, you just don't have them back. Right. Right. <laughs> but that, but, but that's why it's important to consider everyone as much as you can, because there is an energy and a vibe from one comic to the next. Yeah. And you can't just like comic a comes up with like maybe spastic high energy, you know, maybe like uh whatever, just like a high energy person. And then the next guy is like really low energy, really mellow, just sitting on the stool. And you can't just like go from one to the other. It's too abrupt. You have to bridge it. Well, that's what the host is supposed to do, though. Is the host supposed to bridge it? So the host keeps the energy consistent and steady in the room. The vibe. Yeah, the the host sets the tone. Well, yeah, a good host will make it set the next guy up for success. Right. And try to balance things out. You know? But I mean, some shows don't even have hosts, really. They just go to the next guy. You know, it just depends. What are some of the some of your favorite stories from working here in Austin? How long have you been here now? Th- two years, three years? You said. Uh, I lived here like four, cool. and I've been doing comedy now for like a little under three, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So what? Yeah, like what are some of like the best and worst of your experiences over that time, if you can think of? Oh any? yeah, I tell you one time. So um, Chris Castles used to run the show, and it was Castro's Pub out in in uh, Bee Cave area. Oh, and so he decided he didn't want to run anymore. So he handed it to me. He said, "Hey, you can be the host of the show." It was just like twice a month or something. So I'm driving out there, and actually, it was close to where my girlfriend lived, so it was pretty nice. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty cool. It's a small show, and I'll I'll kind of learn how to, you know, book and do different yeah. things." Well, one of the nights there were maybe like ten people there, and then the the bunch of the comics were there, and one of the guys he liked the show so much. He's like, "Listen." I'm opening up a $200 bar tab for you guys and just like drink your drink, whatever. And then he Hell gave yeah. the, so there's some money out there, you know? And so these guys were like, all right, we're going to drink up every penny of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that was very fun. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to do that again. I mean, that was very rare. I don't know if that guy just hit the lottery or something or, or, oh, or he's just probably just happy to help or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's another time again. I got a I got a spot on a show. I was like not getting booked, and um, somebody goes, "Well, if you give me a ride to the show, I'll get you a guest spot." Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. You know, I'll do that. You know, yeah. so like just little stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I would like to. I would. I would be a chauffeur for spots for sure. I could do that. I already like to drive. Well, yeah, just like I don't know. Everybody wants to get booked, so it's but like I honestly, I have no material. So I have. Well, that's an interesting question. Why? Why did you take a break? You said you haven't been doing it in a while. I just have no energy. I don't know. I can't tell if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. Oh yeah. Yeah, because by the time, like, I have energy to write and Mm -hmm. to come up with material and to do all that stuff, but I don't have energy to, like, stay out all night waiting for my spot and then to go and do it. 
and then to do that night after night after night because like so much of comedy is the hang which is a fun part right but that's also like um it's 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 not just time it's it's energy and so i feel like by the time i like wait three hours for my three minutes after writing for uh three hours previously it was like that's all i had i don't have anymore <laughs> like and, and especially at the room you know like three people at the end of the night your 30th time signing up with kill tony and not getting on like eventually you just get burned out it's like well you because you at first you're like i'm gonna sign up and get on right and then you do that 10 times you're like well it's just bad luck and then you do that 20 times and then you do that 30 times you're like well i'm fucked <laughs> it's never gonna happen and so I think that is a little bit of what burned me out is just, I don't have enough energy to write and come up with stuff and practice it and rehearse it. And then to go wait three hours for three minutes, I need to be like, Hey, every Tuesday at seven 30, you be here. You've got three minutes. And then I'm, that's how my brain works. Then I can build something around that. And I can just know that that's going to happen. And you know, that kind of a thing. But well, you should produce your own show then. Right, that's not right. How it so works. I should put on my own show. Right. It isn't how it works. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you do have to be selected. Yeah. And you do have to like pay your dues, I guess. Yeah, but how, how many how many it. I mean, thousands and thousands of comics have done Kill Tony and, and of that, how many have been like pulled up? You know what I mean? Yeah, zero. But Never that's happened. not that's not the point of Kill, Kill Tony's Tony. a fucking sham. I can tell you right here, no. right now. Oh, it's a total scam. But Tony, it's scam. Do you know the purpose of Kill Tony? You know? Yeah, to put up his buddies. <laughs> well, the purpose of Kill Tony is that he's an insult comic well it's an awesome show i love the show i'm saying he needs a steady stream of people to insult to keep sharp himself right right so it's like he's getting something out of it and then you as the comic are being advertised so it's a good deal oh well it's a great deal if you can actually get on but you're never going to get on well i mean i don't know if you've been on but yeah i got on one time and it was pretty fun you know but i i didn't think like okay now this is the where i'm gonna fire off into mars or whatever well here's what we need in the community we need five kill tonys that are true bucket poles Hmm. that's what we need not fake bucket poles true bucket poles but i mean again this is such a good format you got one minute first of all that's like a long time in front of a real audience so like and then the fun part of that show is him roasting people. Yeah. And like the interview part of it, that is the whole show. And that's the fun part. And the reason why Kill Tony is such a perfect format is because it's high value everywhere. It's high value for the comedian. It's mm-hmm. high value for the for the for Tony or whoever runs it. And it's high value for the audience. But I think it's very replicable. Mm. And but maybe not. Maybe maybe the reason it's so high value is because he's been doing it for 10 years and he's like built this audience and this fan base. And that's how he gets draw mm-hmm. because it's such a party every time. But I do call bullshit on those bucket draws. Those are fake <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I'm sure there's some <laughs> system they've got there. But uh, like- yeah, the system is two real polls. And if there's somebody I don't like, I'm pulling again. <laughs> yeah, but I think the main thing is like, to view it in the right way, it's like as as the as a, charitable a, way, a novice right? like comic, that's an advertisement for you, okay. and that's it, and that that's good. It's a huge opportunity, but it's kind of like one in the lottery. Yeah, you know. But also, just getting on Kill Tony doesn't mean you're qualified to be anything. You know. No, but it. I mean, I think the reason why everyone wants it is because it's such a well, it's a big platform. I a mean. big platform, right? Yeah, yeah. but like. It doesn't mean you're ready to be a comedian. No, no. Know? It's not an indicator of anything. Yeah. 
And and there is, to be fair to him, he is trying to put, first of all, people are paying for these tickets, oh, right? Yeah. So it's a real business here. And he's trying to put on a good show. And But I do think it's also just, it's, it's the same thing in tech. Like what really matters for making money in tech mm. doesn't matter how well you can code. It matters who you know. And it's like, but that's the whole world. The whole world is just who you know, what well, are they yeah. willing to do but for so you? So in your view, like what matters in comedy as far as getting ahead? Well, at the end of the day, your hard work at the end of the day, because sure. people can smother you and they can put your face in the dirt and they can ruin your reputation and they can do everything they can to try to fuck with you. Mm -hmm. But that's just your, that's just life, whatever, right? You just have to keep on working. Yeah. And so what really matters is how much writing, how much performing, how much of, have you slogged through it all? And over the years, you can be successful, but it doesn't have to be that hard and it doesn't have to be that crazy. Yeah. Like it could be way better for everyone if only people were a little less spiteful, you know, like a <laughs> I don't little, know. I don't seem to get that. Maybe, maybe I've just have bad. I, I know I do have a bad attitude and I, and I'm a complainer and a victim and you all got that stuff. The, you got the stinking thinking as they call it. Yeah. 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 But at no. the end of the day, it's a hundred percent work. It is a hundred percent work. It's just, some people have to work a lot fucking harder. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's like kind of a few things. There's like your working part is definitely essential. You have to yeah. do that part, but then there's also the are you easy to work with do people want to work with you because you're pleasant you know right but then also nobody owes you anything so like you got to put all this effort in but uh, then again it's like people can tell if you're just out for yourself or if you're trying to build a community yeah like like i i mean there's things about like i'll use the lucky duck as an example there's a lot of things about it that are really great for me as the host i get a lot of visibility from doing that show I get to, I get paid. I get to sp um, spend a lot of my times writing jokes. It's also a lot of work. I'm there mm -hmm. uh, every Wednesday. It's impressive, man. Yeah, I'm there from six to two. Everybody complains about their spot incessantly. That happens. They, <laughs> some people hate me because I won't bump them or I will bump them or I'll bump this guy or whatever. And then they get up there and they complain, you know, and it's all this stuff. So like, why do it? Well, again, I'm benefiting from it. It's yes. not, it's not just, I mean, but it's also great for the community, you know? So like right. every single person who goes up there, it's harder to find a mic that's got more legitimate stage time for an open mic person. Than Lucky uh, Duck. Yeah. And it's yeah. not always a good crowd, but like there are always times during the night where there's a legitimate crowd there and you can get a real read on your set. Most, I'm not to say all, but many other open mics are not like that. Right. It's unusual in, yeah. in like almost every factor. Yeah. And like it's great but it's also it's like my privilege and it's my burden like i feel like i have to have it go i couldn't i don't think i could hand it off to somebody right. I, I just wouldn't feel like i don't know i have a certain feeling about how it should be run and i don't know if that's right or wrong but that's how i feel about it you know well i mean you've it's your show like you've been doing it so long at this point yeah but i mean a lot of people would say why even like they don't view hosting as an important thing or they don't the hosts know. are like the people we should all be grateful to sure you know but like, it's sort of thankless and like and well, yeah right i can yeah. see it being but thankless. also a lot of people view that as that's the rung i need to get over as fast as possible i want to get right to being the opener of the feature i don't who cares about the hosting that's not important to me you know i never really considered that as like a progression but it does make sense and you do have to open your own mic yeah but like it would be nice if there was, if it didn't have to come down to like, I don't know, being selected there. 
Well, okay, then like, uh, why do people want to select you? Right, because you, you bought them a drink or gave them a ride or you're genuinely affable or they want to, I mean, I, I don't know why I always have to start up with the snarkiest comments, but the real reason is because uh, they just like working with you. Sure, those are all important things. I mean, like, obviously your talent is like a factor, but it's not the factor. It isn't. Do you even want this person around? Like, right. there's people that just like, do you want to spend an hour with them? Right. Like, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. so then they have trouble. Or It doesn't matter how talented they are. It doesn't. I mean, it's the same thing with hiring somebody for a job. Like, who do you hire for a job? People that you enjoy spending time with. That's Absolutely. who you hire with it for yeah. a job. Well, and two, it's like, if I host an open mic, I sometimes will get a preference on a spot on another open mic. But that's sort of it. That's sort of the, at least in Austin. I don't know how it works everywhere else. But So then if you are hosting a showcase, you know, there's like an exchange. You kind of like trade spots, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think my general like gripe is that ever the the audience is a guarded resource. Sure. And people know it's so valuable. And they they use that resource to extract like political value and I don't know, just things that are have nothing to do with comedy, nothing to do with the art form. Sure. And that is the kind of stuff that grift that you get in any industry. It just sucks that if well, anything, it's like worse here than it <laughs> But for some, for there to be an audience of people to perform in front of, somebody had to put in some yes. effort to get them there. And that's valuable. So then how do you distribute that? The, uh, that, that value, like right. they get a margin on that value so, and that's their business. Right. So how are you as the producer or the host distributing that? Yeah. Um, you obviously have to have a certain minimum level of talent for yep. them to want to come back. But then beyond that, it's like, you're going to help out the people that helped yeah. you out. Who did me a favor? Yes. Who's somebody who's pleasant? Who was right. given a recommendation by this person who I think is good or whatever? Totally. If you're an unknown to them, like I have people come up to me and they're like, hey, I was on blah, blah, blah. So put me up right now. And I'm just like, you, you want to say hi first? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know you. And like, maybe you are very talented, but like, do you just come in and try to ramrod me on this thing? Like, yeah. I don't owe you anything. And, right. you know, it's like. But that's how they go around and do it. They're like, okay, I'm a level seven comic or something. And you're like a two. Yes, so then yes. I get whatever I want. It's like, yes, well, you can get out of here. Right. You know, I don't have to handle it. It just gets tiring. Because again, it does. It does. I, as the producer, you know, I put in my effort because I, of course, want to perform in front of people also. Yeah. And then they come in and they're just like trying to big time you or something. I'm right. like, this is an open mic. Like, what, <laughs> what? none of this matters at all. Like zero. Like, you know. I don't want to hear it like and uh, but also the people who complain the most about I'll go hey do you want to be the guest host and and oftentimes they do and then they figure out that it can be a pain you know yeah yeah that complain about their sets and stuff yeah yeah, but all this, stuff. like you say, it gets away from the art and all that. The the actual art, yeah, right. Like the art is what matters. The art is, I guess, saying what you think, bringing yeah. people into your world, and like, this is what I think. Here's how I think it's working. Yeah, but it's a team sport, you know. Yeah. So like, you gotta you gotta get people to. That's why you see people forming clicks and stuff. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you, you know, you can't do it by yourself. That is true. Yeah. That is true and but so much of life is that way maybe it's even better that way but maybe if you think everybody's better. out to screw you it's going to be harder I mean. yeah i mean and also you're going to put that energy into the universe and kind of make it true by yeah. just like yeah like whatever you put out there echoes back well and like uh i got the position of being the bartender a couple nights a week at the east austin it wasn't because i'm the funniest 
it's because I'm easy to work with. I'm unreliable, you know, I'm pleasant. And so then they're like, yeah. okay, he's going to be here every week, you know, and that's great. So then I get rewarded with a little bit of stage time and I get paid a little bit. Yeah. I, I think of it like a lot of the stuff's that way. And then you'll get comics who are like a lot funnier, but like they don't, they'll call in or they'll be hard to work with or they're flaky or just mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fine. But like, this is a business. Like right. if I have a bookie on the spot and you don't show up because you're dropping my show for some better show that's the last time that booking is offered <laughs> yeah and it's like you know but i don't know it's strange it's a it's it's an amazing thing to be able to even be a part of the community hmm. and so like there's no real complaining but hey like my job is to call out bullshit when i see it sure. and i call out bullshit on some of these mics right like it's not is exactly presented as how it is but even as an open mic like let's say the san jack saloon i'm there hosting that one every couple of weeks like what do i owe you as the comic coming through the door nothing nothing it's an open mic like the bar has it again because they're selling drinks right i gotta have a certain number of comics come in there to make it an event right and beyond that that's it. So, like, so, 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 how would you hope that things like change and evolve? Because you're like uh, OG in Austin for sure. Three years, like everyone here here is like two years. <laughs> That's pretty you know? funny. It Maybe. is. Funny. Well, I guess yeah. I'm an OG of the new wave. Right. Know? Right. There was a whole scene prior to me oh, moving here. Totally, I mean, totally. mm. I've been coming here since 2012. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's a funny title. As an OG. I mean, of Austin, like comedy, most people are here for, I think, less than two years. Yeah, I suppose. Then they move or something. But yeah. Well, and then there's that also idea that, okay, so you get to a certain level of proficiency and then you got to move to New York or, or uh, L.A. You know, Not anymore, though, I don't feel. Yeah, and I kind of feel that way, too. Like, I feel like I'd like to stay in Austin. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't I like it here. And like, I mean, I'm not even to the point where I would even consider moving. I mean, skill wise, you know. But like, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun producing shows, and it's fun. Like, like I don't know if you've been to the tag mic that I do. I have. That is a great mic. I got yeah. a bunch of tags off it. Right. And so, like, I created that for my own benefit. Yeah. But it benefits other people. So, like, my totally. my objective with that is, we're all going to get better at writing. Yes. And and uh, the like externality of that is there will be some good jokes come out of it. But that's not the point of it. The point, the is, point is that we're all going to get better at writing. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. It's like, uh, I just want to do my five minutes. Like, well, and I think that's a reason you get a lot of these, uh, a lot of respect in the community is because you are putting those type of things on where it's very clear that this benefits everyone. Like Lucky Duck, very clear that benefits everyone. Tag True. writing Mike, very clear that benefits everyone. Well, and like Candace, I think she set up the tag or the uh, banana phone because she's like, I, I get heckled a lot or whatever. This is an important component of comedy and I want this to be the thing we're going to work on. Yeah. So are you going to be sharp? Are you going to be on your toes? If somebody else something out, are you going to crumple? Are you going to do it? So like she sort of said, okay, this is a thing that's really important. Let's focus on that exclusively. And my thing was with the tag mic is, okay, nobody's writing enough. I'm not writing enough. Yeah. Nobody is. I so, like, not. let's all just focus on the writing specifically. Yeah. Because, like, I was doing stories with no punchlines for, like, a year easily. And then I'm like, well, okay, I don't even know how to write a punchline. Yeah. And, I've, and I'm, a, I'm calling myself a comic, you know? Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to do a mic where we just write punchlines. That's it. Yes. And I was like, nobody will come to that. <laughs> so then i was like okay it's got to be a mic people want to do their time that's all they care about 
but we can have it be a writing thing. I see. Yeah, right. Because if I just said, okay, we're going to meet up for an hour and we're going to write jokes, people would be like, nope. I would do that. Like Most people won't. Or they'll really? come once. Yeah, I've tried. You know. I've d- I, yeah, I guess I did try to organize a couple of those yeah. back in the day. It, yeah, well, I, early, I yeah. haven't found out a way to make the writing process with people, like sitting down, productive. Right. Like when I sit down and write with somebody, we end up just kind of chit-chatting. Totally. And then um, I was I was one of the writers for the Good Evening News. And so we were writing topical jokes. And people would just come in there and just shoot the shit. And then nothing got done, it seemed like. Yeah. So like I feel like if I'm by myself, I can be productive. But I haven't figured out how a writer's room even functions. Because I'm like, how do they... How do they stay on task or how do they even I doubt get they do. I, I yeah, think it's probably I, a lot of shooting shit. But I'd like to crack that because like it seems like it would be more productive with more right. brains. But in some ways it's not. Like, I've wanted something similar for two things. One for comedy, one for YouTube. Yeah. For comedy, I just want to be able to throw into a chat. What is this premise? Like, does this have legs? Uh, for YouTube, I want to be able to throw in title thumbnail. Would you click on this? Or how about this versus that? Because you need a little indicator from people, a little feedback, whether that thread is worth pulling. Well, and that's another thing about the tag, Mike, that's really special, I think, is because when you just give somebody a tag, they're just like, nope. And then if you ask somebody for feedback, they probably weren't paying attention. But like in that specific mic, it's like, okay, I'm going to do my material and I'm specifically asking you to tag it. And, you know, people are a little less uptight about, because I've given people tags for jokes before and they've just told me to go you know, go fuck myself. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm so, so like, that's somebody doing work for you. That's like being handed money. But there again, they're like, Hey, I'm the artist and I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and I don't want to, you know, I'm, and that's fine. But like, well, I, I'm starting to gain a little reputation as somebody who can do the writing. So it's not as hard, but in the beginning I would be like, Hey, this is a good idea. And they'd be just like, who are you? Like, get away from me. Like where this is like, we're specifically going to do that. And it's, and everybody's open to giving away the, recommendations and then nobody's uptight about taking them either you taking know? and giving yeah yeah well when i hear people use the tags i wrote for them i'm really thrilled because i just think okay well that's a great joke yeah. and sometimes i'll write a joke generally that i can never use in my material so that i'm happy that somebody's using it like and it's, it feels good I mean. uh one of my most consistent things i ever said was i have rsf that's resting serial killer face <laughs> I think I got that tag from your mic. Yeah, probably. You know, it's like, and it's great. Yeah, we can only think of the things that are with our own mind in a certain way. And that's actually the best part of the tag mic is you get all of these other brains thinking about it, things you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. So how do you get that? Like, what is the Austin comic community need that would make all of us more successful, better? Like, what do we want? Here's what we want: we want to get paid to mm, do sure. our 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 art, and the art is whatever it's just you know it's very amorphous but speaking in front of people and sharing your ideas well and if you're getting a lot of the comics at least locally are not making enough money to live i mean just from doing shows but i feel like there is enough of an audience and there is enough of a talent and we just got to bring those together in a way where people can extract that value and that's what's really hard is we have a lot of open mics we don't have a ton of paying audiences. Well, there's more independent showcases now than ever, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think so. so they just got to get more of a reputation, maybe. But really, the people who are making the money, at least in the smaller shows, are the producers. And then the comics are getting paid a little bit. But it's usually, I don't think it's enough to live on, you know. So like if you were going to make it just on doing comedy, you'd have to be producing 
your own shows. And be awesome. It'd be awesome. But yeah. but yeah, so I, it's 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 more about like for the community, like what would help the most number of people create this world that they're trying to build? Like, is there a Discord server where everyone should go and hang out and then we're all just like chatting in it all day? Or a, I don't know, there's lots of hangouts, there's lots of meetups, but it doesn't seem like too many comics are very organized. And like, like you say, like if we do set up a writing session, we're not actually going to write, we're going to get high and just talk shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that's not productive. Or right. at least so I haven't figured out a way to make those productive. I, that is something I think about a lot though, because yeah. again, you get the brains together and you exactly. think, okay, we got six really funny people. We're going to come up with something that's amazing. And you don't come up with anything. Yeah. So like, even when I'm working on a sketch with somebody, I won't sit down and write the thing with them. Like they'll either they're writing it or I'm writing it. We're if we sit down and do it, we're not gonna get anything done. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know what that is, but like, yeah. But I, I guess I would say like, as far as people making it money wise, they should produce their own shows. Really? So you can make money producing your show. I don't actually know what those words mean. Can you walk me through that? Oh yeah. Okay. So like, I had a show at Indian Roller. So that was in South Austin. It's a small bar show, and it was a showcase. So the bar paid to have the show. And then I would. The bar paid you to have the show. Yeah. So they're giving you money because that will bring in drinks. Right. So they're pro- like, like, think about this. Okay. So if you, if the drinks were $3, you wouldn't need any entertainment. Yeah. Okay. So what it is, is the cost of a beer is like six bucks. Yeah. If you're going to get a espresso martini or something, it's like 12 bucks. Right. So why does a person want to pay that? Yeah, well, they're sipping on it while being entertained. Well, they're like, yeah, okay, if I'm going to spend 12 bucks on this, I better be getting something yeah. with, on top of it. So then they have entertainment. So like trivia is a one that I do. And then there's like karaoke. There's like um, music, live music. There's comedy. You know, you can do any of that stuff. So then the bar will pay for the show. And they'll, what does it mean to pay for the show? They'll write me a check. Damn. So like you can have a ticketed show where you're getting your money from the paying, you know, people are watching it or you can just have them pay you. Oh, that's what you want to do every time. But the thing is, the amount of money you get is lower. So like there's there's a difference. Like if, if I have a paid showcase from a bar, it's going to be the same amount pretty much forever. Yeah. Doesn't matter if the show's good or bad. Doesn't matter if people show up or whatever. It's just going to be one amount. So like if you have a ticketed show. If nobody shows up, then you're not making anything. Gotcha. But if a lot more people show up, then you could make more. You know what I mean? But the cool thing about putting on a show is it's one of those things that you can build up over time. And you, as long as you're really consistent, it's at the same time and the same place and the same everything every single time. Yeah. Then it gets like to become a hang and it gets to become known and... Yeah. You get repeat. Well, and just to give you some numbers, like um, so I did the I did the Indian roller show every Thursday, started at ten thirty and it went till whenever we felt like quitting. So the bar would pay $150. That's what they would pay. Okay. So I would split it in half. I would say, okay, each of the, I'm gonna book five comics. They're each gonna do ten minutes. Everybody's getting fifteen dollars. Okay. Then I'm gonna spend fifteen to twenty dollars on Instagram ads. Hmm. And I'm gonna use that to promote the show. And then I'm going to keep like $60. Mm-hmm. And then also the bar gave us a certain number of drink tickets. So I used to get 10 drink tickets and I'd give those to the comics. Then I would ask for tips. If, any, if there's any tips, that would all go to the comics. That's so, awesome. 
obviously the comic's not getting a lot of money, but they're getting like 20 bucks, 15 bucks, and then they do their 10 minutes. And then, so yeah, you'd get 60 bucks to be the producer and the booker and the host is how I did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that $60 is like more like $600 in the, in the, in the world where you're not enjoying what you're doing for work. But also you got to think, okay, I gave myself a 10 minute spot. Yeah. Yeah. And then as the host, I could do time at the end if I wanted or in the middle or whatever I wanted. So like I was giving myself like 20 minutes a week. And you paid a bunch of comics to go, you know, like that's not going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. And so then I would also, so like imagine I'm giving myself 80 minutes of stage time every month. And then plus, so what I started doing is the five comics would go who I booked. If there was a guest coming from out of town or something, I usually wouldn't pay them. They'd just like go up. And then after the show was over, I just had like an open mic at the end. So people would like, and I wouldn't say anything to the audience. Like whoever the book people were, they'd go. And then after that, it was just whoever wanted to do spots. It would just do spots. That's awesome. And that wasn't necessary, but like, again. Let's give them back. But this is a, again, this isn't like a real show even. This is like between, somewhere between an open mic and a showcase. I, it was like a workout showcase kind of. Yeah, that's cool though. Like we need a lot of those layers and we need a few good shows that are really like Kill Tony. Sure. Yeah. Well, Kill Tony's like up here. I mean, imagine he's spending the money to have that produced. There's multiple people filming it, the venue, you know, there's all this mm -hmm. stuff. That's like out of the reach of a lot of oh, comics. Totally. But, but, like, but that, you know, he's 10 years into it. Like right. there's no way that it started that way. But I'm saying any any comic could walk into a bar and get a showcase going or an open mic. You, you think just, so? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Well, because all these bars have the same problem. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What's going on? Huh. They're still paying for staff, but nobody's drinking. Right. They've got the staff. They've got the bar. They're paying for the building. They're paying for electricity, whatever it is. So they can't just have a dead night, especially in Austin. The rents are high, you know. So, mm -hmm. so if you walk in there and you're like, what are you doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And like, we're not doing nothing. You're like, well, you want to do something? They're yeah. like, yeah, that sounds good. And then you tell them, well, I'll do comedy. And they're like, okay, I don't need to hear anymore. You know, I mean, that's basically it. Like, I mean, look how many bars there are here, too. They're competing so against each other. Yeah. They can't just not have something, you know. Yeah, yeah. So more shows, that would be helpful. I mean, it's pretty cool as it is, the community out here, because lots of people come in from out of state. And they yeah. hang out. It's pretty easy to meet comics. I mean, you just hang out at the creek and you'll you'll meet some people. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty fun. Well, what else do people need to know about Alden Shop? About your about what you're into doing out here in Austin. I don't know. I mean, I'm just like uh, trying to do it like everybody else, you know, but yeah, I would say I like, a, I just like writing, you know, outside, but like, I don't know. It's, it's really cool to be down here. Like I'm really happy. I can just do trivia and comedy as a, for a living. And that's great. I mean, I don't know. I really feel like that puts you in the top 1% of like lifestyle people. Well, and I'm not like getting rich. I mean, but I'm, making, matter. I'm matter. making enough where I can pay all my bills and it's great, you know, but then I, you know, also I spend time reading, you know, I, I've been trying to exercise more. I've been doing the keto diet. I don't know. Oh yeah. Do you have any health and fitness kind of goals or? Oh yeah. I'd like to lose some weight obviously, oh, yeah? but uh, okay. as far as feeling good, I feel pretty good. And like, it's getting a little too cold to swim in my pool there, but, um, you know, I've been doing kettlebells and I've been like walking and stuff. But... Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that the best thing I ever did was I was about 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that was the best thing I ever did was kind of change that stuff up. But 
uh, it's such a grind because it has to come on top of everything else you're doing. You know, yeah. you have to do your trivia, you have to do your comedy, you have to do everything well, that you're normally doing. I, and uh, I like to say I get to, you know. <laughs> yeah, you get to, I mean, well, it is true. It is true. Well, but like you get to is like kind of like you're being paid to do it or whatever. It's like part of your lifestyle. Like, I don't know. Not really. Like, like you say, um, I don't have the energy to do the writing and do this and this yeah. and that, you know, and then I get up to the mic and I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is see, I, I never have that feeling. And I don't know if it's a genetic defect or something, but like I'll get to the trivia and I've never had a night where I got there and be like, Oh, I'd rather be doing whatever. I'm just like, this is what I, That's Oh, it's cool. Monday. I'm going to be at the Barton Springs saloon. And this is great. Like, and the same with the mics, like I get there and maybe it's a little boring or something, but I never had in the back of my head say, that's yeah. true yeah but then that's that's like um um you listen to any like motivational stuff like yeah. uh so like zig ziglar was a big motivational speaker you know and he would say uh like commitment plays heavily in everything you know you gotta you make the commitment so like when i started doing comedy again i did all that reading and i decided like okay you're gonna do this and you're gonna do it for 10 years and you're gonna be poor and it may not work out in the end at the end you may actually have nothing um how does that all sound you know and i was like well that sounds pretty good yeah so then i so in my head i made the commitment that i'm gonna do it and so then that has really made me very free because like i don't have right. as many doubts i guess like well there's just there is no doubt if you're gonna do it you're gonna do it Right. And like, again, I set the goal of I can be an entertainer for a living and I've almost reached that now. So like everything beyond that is just like really great, you know, Yeah. where other people are like, I feel like that's where like a lot of the bitterness comes in because yeah. they're like, oh, I'm not whatever. Like I have a little bitterness already. I can yeah, imagine so if like, you gave me three more years, I'd be real fucking bitter. So, so like you can erode that, you know, with like, with like how you frame the success. So like, you could say, okay, well, like, what would be your, like, if you had a goal you're going to try to hit in six months, it would be like, I would, I've only ever had one goal with comedy. I want to be on the road, going to clubs where nobody knows who I am and saying words in front of people. I don't want anything else. I don't want to be on Netflix. I don't want to be on a boat. I don't want any of that. That's very attainable. Yes. But then, so then what's the goal? Like, what's like an intermediate goal? Like, like I have a goal and it's written in my wallet. I want to do a clean comedy show for a company for a thousand dollars. So I have that as my goal. What does that mean? Okay. That means I have to go out and find somebody who wants to buy that and I have to have the product. So I actually have to have probably 15 minutes of clean material. Mm -hmm. I've got to find five, maybe four or five comics who can do 10 or 15 minutes of clean material, which mm -hmm. is like difficult, but I do have a list of people. Also, I have my own PA. So like that, that goal is not that far away. It, it seems impossibly far away. Why seems though? Possibly. I don't know. Like it just, I've done trivia. I've done corporate trivia shows that I've got paid that much. And so like, to me, that's not, that's just a small lateral move. You know? Maybe, maybe it feels far away because I just have not been putting in any, the anywhere near the amount of time or attention that it takes to be successful in that arena. Sure. Partially just because I've been doing YouTube and other things. I mean, I spend my time I, not terribly, you know, I am a self-proclaimed comic, so I probably do too much drugs and 
and hey, have that too many indulgences. That won't and, hold you back in comedy, though. Yeah, that's why I need to be a comic. <laughs> it holds yeah. you back in tech, that's for sure. But I'm saying, like, let's say somebody walked through the room. Or let's say somebody walked in here and it's some famous comic is on the road. He could just take you now. I know. It could happen anytime. It never has. But so I'm saying that idea of being plucked <laughs> is, like, challenging because, again, right. Like you're putting your hopes into like that you're going to get noticed by some individual. Well, that is true. But also nobody can pluck you if you don't have 15 minutes. You know, like right. you, you got to have, have the goods. You got to have the product. That's a yeah. good way to think of it. Yeah. Like you got to have the, the yeah, the product. So like if they say, okay, Caleb, today, hey, I want to take you on the road. Let me hear your best 15. And you're like, well, I've got four. Yeah. It's like, okay. I've got a, I've got a loose two. <laughs> yeah. So like, so they're like, well, okay, well then, you know, call me in a year or something. Yeah. So like. Like, I have this idea. I want to do these clean shows. Okay, well, I have a certain amount of clean material that's suitable. But then it's like, it is challenging because not everybody wants to do that. But it's a goal I have. So, like, I'm working toward it. And, like, for me to get that to work, so I've got, a, I've got okay, I want to have a pool of clean comics who I can draw on for these shows, which will pay more. Yeah. Well, then it would behoove me to set up a clean comedy showcase Damn. because then that's going to be my... That's where I'm going to draw my pool for these corporate shows. Right. So instead of being like, hey, do you have clean material? And they're like, why would I even do that? And I'm saying, well, I'm hoping to have a show where you can get paid nicely. They're like, well, I don't see it. Where is it? Like, where's the incentive, you know? Yeah. So my my thing is, okay. You got to build the path to it. Yeah. So I'll have a clean showcase that'll pay a little bit and it'll get people motivated. And then from that group, I'm going to take and book and do the ones that are going to pay more, you know? Right. But I, I have to set all that up for myself to even be able to enjoy it, you know. Yes. So like, but I'm willing to do it because again, my goal is again, I want to do these clean corporate shows. Do you think that'd be so cool though to like work on the road and just be going to like different clubs and like nobody knows shit about shit about shit. You just go in, whoever's there is there. You're there like with other comics or whatever. Yeah. Like that'd be freaking fun. But that's not that far away, you know. Just to get on the road, you just got to have 10 minutes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It seems it seems complicated. But yeah, like a good path to it would be start your own mic. So then at least you're getting regular stage time. And even if you're not writing, you're going to like improv things and you're going to be accruing material and you're going to be on stage and comfortable. Yeah. From that. Uh, well, and also it'll open up more opportunities to get on other shows because you've got be more meeting more people. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of this uh, guy, uh, Sahil Bloom? I think his last name is Bloom. Yeah. He has like a bunch of like wisdom um, tidbits. But one of the things that he said recently that I really liked is about how people have these black holes in their life. Mm. So like addiction, that might be a black hole or drugs or video games or whatever. And what and he compared it. Did you see Interstellar? Mm hmm. So in Interstellar, there's that gravity planet that they go down to and it takes like all the time and like, you know, it takes 90 years or whatever. And it's because it's next to this black hole that's just sucking in everything around it. And the reason in that movie they thought that planet might not be a good candidate for life is because not enough stuff could happen because everything was just being going into the black hole. And I thought that was a really good metaphor for life is like, what are the black holes that we have that are sucking in or uh, sucking away the, the opportunities to get lucky? Sure. And if you're out there and you're, uh doing a mic every single week you're going to meet patrons and you're going to meet comics and all of that is going to increase the surface area of luck that is possible but if the opposite is you know you're sulking in your corner yeah. you know, nobody will give me the time why not you know like 
But think about that's well, think about hole. this. Like, okay, you got this really nice camera, and you got all this equipment here. You could say to somebody, "Hey, I'll uh, come out and record the whole show." Uh, yeah. But I, of course, want a spot. They'd say, "Great." Yeah. I mean, that's a way. You know what I mean? That's the same as giving somebody a ride or just that's any true. of that stuff. Yeah. Or you could say, "Hey, I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna record people's specials for money." You know. Well, then then you get to meet him. Then you get to oh, he was great to work with. You know, whatever. Yeah, getting yourself integrated into a new industry is really important in sure. whatever ways that you can do it. Well, and too, if people, if you get booked on a show, did you help promote the show? Did you try to post stuff? Did you try to get it out there for that other producer? That gets around too. Like who, who actually cares? You know, at least I, I think. I mean, I think so. But if yeah. you're not gonna do that part of it, you just have to be so much more talented. Like it's like an impossibly more talented. Like. And even if you were the most talented guy in the world, if nobody wants to work with them, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it does. It makes things more challenging. Well, and the yeah. two is it makes things unpleasant, you know. Right, right. Like everyone should just be enjoying the fact that none of us are factory workers. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I mean, I've worked on a cherry farm. You know, I've worked on factories, wineries. You know, I've done like bartending, banquet bartending. You know, I've worked at a ski resort, you know, pawn shops, like you know, grocery stores, like, why do I don't want to do that? You know, that's, that's like, well, okay. There's people who are like funny. Okay. And then there's people who are like creative and sometimes that overlaps, but like I found out a lot of my drivers are from creativity and that's a problem because that's it, problem. if you're doing regular jobs, a lot of times there's no room for that. Yeah. That it's not something they need. They just need you to do the job. Yes. And I got into trouble a lot because I was always trying to come up with like, right. what if we do this thing or that thing? And they're like, we don't want to hear a new idea. Like, who are you? And also, no, like, mm -hmm. we need you to just stand here and like watch this lift. Like, you know, so in comedy that can be rewarded, but you've got to focus it on something like you don't have to be a creative person to be funny. And a, and a creative person isn't funny. But if you're a funny creative person, in some ways it's harder because you're like not going, you're not using the tools the way everybody else is. Now, that can yeah. be good. You can come up with something really different, which can be really good, or something really different and it's really bad. You know? Right. But like for me, I have to exercise that drive. Like um, it's almost like my I have an organ in my body that's like a creativity organ. Yeah. Right. Yes. And if I don't expend the creative juice it's like poisoning me it's up. yeah yeah, yeah. It so backs up for me it's great comedy and the, the trivia and the and cooking i feel like i really expend that juice or whatever looks good mm -hmm. we should do a cook-off sometime dude i would be up for that yeah, yeah? let's mm -hmm. do it let's yeah. do it maybe in a couple of weeks or whatever yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna do keto for a couple more weeks so i'll be able to eat pretty much whatever after that oh yeah i'm doing uh mostly keto right now i do a little rice um but I've just always enjoyed like having lower carb and higher protein and higher fat, actually. Yeah. Um, I just feel better. I feel pretty good on it. I, one thing I've noticed is I'm a little bit spacey. Mm -hmm. I, I've like I've tried to shore that up with some like MCT oil and, and mm -hmm. more salt and stuff. But I just like I have the memory of a hummingbird and I'll just I have to write more stuff down. I noticed. But how long have you been in keto or like been in it? Uh, I've been doing it for like three or four weeks and i've been in keto okay so you're for, pretty well adapted yeah i think i pretty much i yeah, I mean, i'm testing myself with the piss strips and stuff and mm -hmm. yeah so i'm like in the kind of the middle range or whatever 
Well, you're looking great, man. Um, I've loved hanging out with you and yeah. talking to you. And I just think you're doing a real service for the comedian community out here, putting up with people like me who complain. <laughs> putting up. And I've what got a lot of shit to say, but I want to say it and I'm going to say it. And hopefully people will be patient with me uh, because I'm really not complaining. Like things could be better. But the fact is, it's an amazing community. Oh, yeah. Amazing hangs, amazing people involved. Every, there's some real assholes, but even they're fucking hilarious or whatever sure. like they're they're funny and so they're good to have around but um anyway thank you so much for coming on yeah and where should people find you how do they connect with you where do you want to direct people anyone listening oh yeah i'll be like huh yeah uh probably instagram's the easiest the mob shop the trivia one it's unknown trivia and um yeah i'm all, every wednesday i'm at the lucky duck so that's where i'm that's where I'm hanging out. Any comics visiting Austin, you want some time, hit oh. up Alden and check out the Lucky Duck. Tons of cool comics there. And yeah. uh, it's always a fun hang. I tell everybody if, uh, you know, whoever you are, you get four minutes with Lucky Duck. Yeah, that's pretty good. Also, very good. I'm going to be opening up my farts uh, for sale soon. So that'll be uh, something different. Yeah. Dude, you need a <laughs> fart merch store. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to do them for like three bucks or something. But the problem I'm running into is I have to make more original ones. So mm. I'm actually going to be um, getting some time at the creek. They have that new studio. So I'll be in there making Foley farts. Oh, yeah. I saw a little of that. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. Like, uh, different. put them out there. But thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so people find you on Instagram. Anything else? YouTube or anything else? Uh, mm, as far as trying to get a hold of me, nah, probably Instagram's the easiest, I think. That's where I get most of the messages there. Um, other than that, I don't know. Just have fun, I guess. Yeah, let's have fun. Let's engineer some farts. See you guys.